Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring, and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively in how art imitates life, imitates art. As you guys can already tell, I'm recovering from a cold, so just bear with me. This show must go on. And since this episode is premiering right before Halloween, I thought I'd uh, dress up in my costume, which is, I don't know, I feel like maybe I'm one of the people on Barbie's pit crew. That's the vibe I'm getting. I gave you guys the option to choose what the final scary movie would be for our Black Horror Month theme, and you chose the 2021 Candyman which is a direct sequel to the first movie from 1992. It ignores all other sequels. Wise decision. Fun fact, Jordan Peele produced this movie, but it was Nia DaCosta who directed it. And it was in the top box office, which set a new record for the first black female director to have her movie in the top spot. What I'm basically saying is, they did a really good job on the sequel. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. All the opening logos were flipped around as if you were looking at them through a mirror. Clever. It's 1977, and we're in the Cabrini Green Projects, where we see a young black boy taking clothes to the laundry. In the community laundry room, there is a man-shaped size black hole on the wall. Mm-mm. Suddenly, a black man dressed in a coat with a hook for a hand comes through the wall and holds out his hand to the little boy, offering him candy. The boy screams, and you see police officers who had been kind of casing the neighborhood get out of their cars and run in. Hold that thought. We will be returning to it. It's now present day in Cabrini Green, and Troy and his boyfriend Grady are headed to Troy's sister's house for dinner. Brianna is Troy's sister, and her boyfriend, the token starving artist, is Anthony. He's talented, but he's been in a creative slump for a couple of years, meaning no job. Brianna's been kind of taking care of them. Her place is beautiful and spacious. I did not know Chicago had it like that. Troy and Brianna start talking about how the place is gentrified. All the previous inhabitants have been pretty much removed. The place has been rebuilt. And unfortunately, most of them haven't been able to come back. Costs real cheddar now to live here. Troy offers up a scary story about the whole area. Brianna's not interested, but she is quickly outvoted because everyone else wants to hear about the scary story. Troy begins the story of Helen, a white grad student who does a thesis on the urban legend surrounding Cabrini Green. She's talking to locals, getting information, and then one day, she snaps, grabs a hook, kills a Rottweiler and a bunch of people, and then kidnaps a baby from one of the residences. Apparently, Helen tried to sacrifice the baby to the neighborhood bonfire. The residents got a hold of her, stopped her, rescued the baby, and then Helen just walked straight into the fire. The end. Troy and Grady leave for the night, and Anthony actually looks up the story and realizes parts of the story are true. The next day, Anthony brings some of his latest work to Clive, an art dealer and friend of Brianna. So that's where he got the connection from. He's trying to get his pieces in the new show. 
Clive really isn't feeling the work. Anthony's like, no, 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 I have another idea. I want to do something about the projects and white supremacy. Clive's still not that excited, but he gives Troy the spot. It really matters who you know. Anthony starts researching Cabrini Green projects more and Ellen's story. And he heads over to the old vacated sections of Cabrini Green that are still the projects. He's taking pictures of the area and suddenly he gets stung by a bee on his right hand. It's very odd. Usually bees uh, leave you alone if you leave them alone. He runs into another resident, William, and they start talking. Apparently, William's lived there practically his whole life. He brings Anthony to his laundromat that he owns, and they discuss more the Helen Lyle story. Anthony's trying to figure out why she would go crazy like that. William says she was looking for Candyman. I think she found him. Anthony asks, what's Candyman? Oh, boy. Here we go. William goes into a little story about how, for him, Candyman was a guy named Sherman Fields, a man who had a hook for a hand who used to give out candy to the neighborhood kids. But one day, a little white girl found a razor blade in her chocolate, and suddenly Sherman is enemy number one, and he's on their hit list. They're looking for him. Turns out that William, the guy Anthony's talking to at the laundromat, is the same little boy from the beginning of the movie who we saw run into the guy with the hook in the uh, community laundry place. He had been hiding in the walls. He wasn't trying to scare William. He just wanted to give him some candy. Well, the police person beat him until he's expired right in front of William. And then a few weeks later, more razor blades show up and more candy. And that's when the neighborhood realized Sherman was innocent. But it wouldn't be the last time they saw him. Anthony is fully enchanted with the story now and completely inspired. He goes home and starts painting. He is just boom, 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 boom. Brianna shows up and he shows her some of the paintings. He tells her all that he learned about the story of Candyman and then tells her that you have to say his name five times in the mirror to summon him. Okay. All right, that's, oof, that's crazy, but we're not going to do it, right? <laughs> he does it. We don't do that, sir. Candyman. Anthony. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. Stop it. Candyman. Stop it. Candyman. Can you please oh. They're just goofing and laughing, but you can see Candyman's reflection in the window. They don't see it, though. It's an eye of the art show, and the place is buzzing with upscale clientele. You know the type. Anthony's piece is a mirror on the wall, and when you open it, beyond it, is the artwork he's painted of the pain. His piece is called Say My Name. Okay, Destiny Shop. His instructions for the viewers of his piece are to say Candyman's name five times in the mirror. Sir! An art critic is checking out his work, and Anthony runs over to kind of talk more about it with the art critic. She's really not impressed. She actually critiques it rather harshly, and then walks away. 
Let me tell you something. We're creative people. We are sensitive. I know we put our stuff out there for the world to see, but we are sensitive about our stuff. He ends up drinking some beer, getting drunk, and takes it out on Clive, the art dealer, and a couple of the their snooty friends. I mean, to be fair, they were being buttholes, and then he returned the energy. After the show's over, Clive and his intern are cleaning up, talking mad junk about Anthony and his artistic abilities. Then they decide to get hot and heavy in front of Anthony's exhibit. And the intern decides to say Candyman's name five times in the mirror. I think you know what happened next. Brianna finds his bodies the next day and it makes the news. All of a sudden, Anthony's exhibit is getting a lot of attention. Anthony is enjoying it a little too much. Anthony heads over to the library at the local college and manages to get a hold of old audio recordings of Helen when she was researching her thesis. He gets on an elevator that is all mirrors. And you can see that his hand that was stung by the bee, it's now looking badly infected. Please see a doctor, sir. Also, can we not make elevators with mirrors all around inside of them? Because between this movie and Poltergeist 3, I can't take it. The elevator gets stuck and the lights start flickering. Anthony looks up and sees that his reflection of Sherman Fields as Candyman. He flips out, as you should, and then the door opens. Everything's back to normal. It's been a couple weeks since the art show. And Anthony gets a call from the art critic, the one that was dogging him in his work. Yeah, she invites him over to her house. He shows up and she's telling him how she's doing a article on the murders and how it's linked to his work and how interesting and intriguing his work is. Oh, so now you all about it. He calls her out on her. He tells her you should engage in the work to fully understand this artwork say his name i don't personally recommend but okay the art critic goes to the bathroom while anthony checks out her place he comes across another mirror where again he sees the reflection his reflection as Candyman. he tells her i gotta go and he leaves from the street we can see anthony exit her house and as she's walking through it she is suddenly lifted up in the air and slashed Honestly, it's a really cool shot. Anthony's sitting at the table for Brianna's dinner. Uh, it's a bunch of big wigs in the art world who are meeting to meet her. He's very distracted, obviously. They all get the notifications about the death of the art critic. And Anthony gets all anxious and says he's got to go and leaves. Not the moves of an innocent man, dude. Anthony runs back to the laundromat and meets up with William and asks him, who is Candyman? William basically tells him Candyman isn't one man, he's many. There have been previous Candymen who all suffered the same tragic fate. He's real. Bell is real. Samuel Sherman. Daniel Robitaille, they're all real. Candyman is how we deal with the fact that these things happened. That they're still happening. Anthony goes home to Brianna all freaked out, telling her that he made a mistake. He unleashed Candyman. She tells him Candyman is not real and starts trying to say his name in the mirror. Don't do that, girl. 
Anthony grabs the mirrors and starts smashing all of them so she can't do it. Okay, Brianna, like a smart person, leaves. The next day, a group of girls at the college are in the bathroom and decide to summon Candyman. Y'all probably remember this scene from the trailer. You don't even really see him. You see the aftermath in the little compact mirror. Like It's the way this was shot. To me, it's much scarier this way than if you had shown him actually slashing them with the hook. Anthony finally goes, checks himself into the damn hospital after the infection has moved from his hand all the way up to his arm. I mean, his hand is almost looking like it's diseased or, or rotted, like this whole area. While at the hospital, he finds out he wasn't born on the south side like he was told. He was born in Cabrini Green. So he goes to the only person he knows has the answers, his mother. And by this time, he looks even worse. The disease is moving up to the lower side of his face. He grills her until she admits to him that he was the baby that was kidnapped from Cabrini Green Projects all those years ago. But it wasn't by Helen. It was by Candyman. Helen had actually saved him from Candyman. Because Candyman had plans to make Anthony his next victim. Well, Mama, it don't look too good for me right now. Anthony is distraught and leaves. Brianna goes looking for Anthony at the laundromat that he mentioned. William grabs Brianna and brings her to a deserted church in Cabrini Green. Anthony is there in a trance. And he looks even worse. The whole side of his face now, unrecognizable. He's got Brianna all tied up and he calls the cops saying he's seen a crazy man with a hook killing people. Come quickly. William, my guy, what are you doing? Then William monologues and he's, he's very twitchy with his face. And you see that he's not all the way there. The Cambrini Projects was stuck in this vicious cycle of the police gunning people down and then Candyman being created. And now that they have vacated practically all those people out of their own homes, come in, rebuild it for themselves, well, now the neighborhood really needs Candyman. And this time, it'll be their families that are getting gutted and slashed. He knew who Anthony was from the jump. He had been expecting the baby to return one day to the Cabrini Green projects. Anthony, in his trance, lets William saw off his right hand and shove a hook in it. He's not in control of himself anymore. Brianna manages to get loose and runs into one of the houses. William follows her and finds her. She fights him, gets a weapon, and kills him. Anthony comes up and collapses in her arms. But that doesn't really matter because the police arrive and shoot him, no questions asked, while he's already lying on the ground. They put Brianna in the car and threaten her, saying she needs to lie about how Anthony was trying to come at them. So they had to shoot out of self-defense. Mm-hmm. Brianna says Candyman's name in the rearview mirror. Anthony's the new Candyman. And he shows up 
and he guts him. Then he morphs into the original Candyman, and he says, Tell everyone. Oh, you got it, 100%. Just don't kill me. As she looks at him, more cop cars show up behind her. Roll credits. My thoughts. This was such a clever way to connect the original movie and expand the lore. To have Candyman span decades and centuries through multiple black men who were victimized in similar situations was such a brilliant move. The tension, the kills were so expertly done. I honestly feel like this one is scarier than the first one. And trust me, the first one was scary. I'd say my only like mm, nitpick is the inconsistencies of how many times who says Candyman's name in the mirror. At the college, one girl says Candyman, but then the other girls say, no, no, we have to say it together. So then they say it together for a total of six times. And yet in the car, Brianna says Candyman only four times in the rearview mirror. And then the officer looking in the mirror says it a fifth time, like Candyman. So that counts as five. It was just a little off for the numbers for me. But other than that, well done. It's difficult to do a successful sequel off a horror movie. Off the top of my head, I can think of a few. The first came in had great commentary on society and race and dynamics in the modern day. The sequel continues that with gentrification. In the movie, they talk about how the cities created their projects. Now they're trying to just rub it out. And the way they're doing it, they cut off these communities and they wait for them to die. Then they bring in developers who get rid of the residents, rebuild it, and bring in different clientele. And then what happens to the people who were kicked out of their homes and now can no longer to afford to come back to them? Let's talk about William, the owner of the laundromat who kidnapped Brianna, who basically directed Anthony on his journey to Candyman and lost his marbles. When you think about all that he's witnessed, you can kind of see how he ended up where he was. First, he watches cops beat Sherman up to death in front of him. Then later, we see in a flashback that a few weeks after Sherman died, his older sister and her friend... Locks him outside of the bathroom while they summoned Candyman. When he opened the door, he sees his sister on the floor and Sherman as Candyman in the mirror, smiling at him, telling him, shh. That's a lot for someone, especially a child, to endure that amount of trauma. He witnessed so much that ruined him. He came to understand how Candyman was created and made some kind of weird peace with that. And Candyman will live forever. And he saw Candyman as a way to bring back vengeance for gentrification. And I noticed that this time around, every victim in the movie, outside of William's flashback with his little sister, were Caucasian. 
Candyman was literally attacking the gentrification. All the slain victims were representations of the uh, new residents. I didn't get to discuss Brianna's story in this. When she was young, she walked in on her father, who was an artist and a painter himself, sitting outside their window. And he told her, I bet you didn't know your daddy could fly. And right in front of her, he tried to fly. After dealing with that as a young girl, to then grow up and have Anthony shot and killed in front of her, in her arms, literally, she herself is going through her own cycle of trauma. At that prestigious dinner that Brianna had with the, you know, the big wigs, before Anthony freaked out, everyone was, you know, complimenting her. And she even got invited uh, by one of them to a museum for a possible job offer. This would be a great elevation. She meets up with the lady and she quickly finds out that her success, her accolades are really not what has brought her into the light. Now it is literally the tragedy of the people slain and Anthony's work and her father's tragic downfall. They're really not as interested in her is about the trauma and tragedy surrounding her. And to answer anybody's burning question, no, I am not saying Candyman's name in the mirror five times. I know it's a movie, and I know it's not real, but I don't tempt things. And you never know what's attached to what. That's a spiritual thing for another conversation. Don't even worry about it. There's more stuff that we can dive into for the movie, but let's just save the rest of that discussion for the comment section. Let me know what you guys think. Let's talk about it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that notification bell so you can always be up to date on what's going on. We're also on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Links are in the caption.